The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, brother? Nothing, man. So, uh, it's a cool day, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, like, I, I say this every every week, yeah, you know, I'm right. stoked, but uh, the person that we're talking to today has accomplished so much, and, he, he's, and he's given so much to our industry. So, you know, I, I am totally looking forward to into picking his brain and into his life and, and to where he's at Me now. Me too. You yeah. know? I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting because... Um, He's not a hair stylist or a hairdresser, so he's he's coming from outside of the industry. But it's still like he's you're right. He's just done so much, and I don't really recall um, before you know what they what, what they're doing. That that it's just so unique to our industry when they first started. Like I don't know if really anybody cared about um, the actual business side of our industry, and um, and not only do they set up a business consulting, but um, it's like a it's almost like a confidence builder, right? Oh, absolutely, and you know, and he's another one of those guys that have completely not only changed lives of the hairdresser, but changed lives of the salon owner, right? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Totally, right? uh, just coming in and, and teaching them how to run things like a business, you know what I mean, and not just kind of just winging it it's it's pretty impressive how you know him and a few of his colleagues have really kind of just changed lives change man you ain't kidding i mean not only change lives but really change our industry right mm-hmm. because there's there's been so many like and i think this i'm sure he'll have the statistic but there's so many like um salons that have like you know quote unquote failed or gone out of business in the first five years i think is is it is is that and he's teaching or his programs are teaching you know salon businesses how to Stay open. Right. right? He's teaching hairdressers how to be businessmen. Right? Boom. Business people. Yeah. <laughs> Men and women. Right? Men and women. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. should we jump in? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Uh, Peter Mahoney from uh, Summit Salon. I always mess this up. Summit Salon Businesses. Thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. My pleasure, guys. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. We're, we are really, really excited and happy to, uh, to, 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 to talk to you on the podcast. We... Um, as you know, or as certainly our listeners know, we've had quite a few people from Summit, from Christy Valenzuela to Michael Cole to uh, in Tim the future. Fisk. Tim Fisk, our man Tim. What's up, Tim? Let's give him a little shout out, yep. right? <laughs> um, and also, uh, we had Randy. We had Randy Kunkel on as well. So, um, you know, we're just excited to kind of, it's like we're at the, we're at the peak, right? We're at like the, the, the peak the of Everest. Peak, right? That's right. Like the summit peak, right? <laughs> the summit peak. I love that. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Peter, Peter. So, uh, with Summit, what's your official uh, what's your official title there? Uh, I'm actually the president of Summit Salon Business Center, and uh, yeah, very proud to hold that role. And uh, it's uh, it's been an awesome ride. That's pretty cool. Great people. You've had you've had pretty much the whole tribe on most of our board members. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's awesome to get to work with all these brilliant minds every day. It's been uh, it's been great. What a gift, right? Yeah, that's, that's cool. 
So uh, before we get into all that, uh, tell us uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, <laughs> little piece of paradise uh, due north of Bangor, Maine. I have a client. Uh, her family's from Halifax, Kathy Etz. If you're listening, Kathy, uh, hopefully I'm not uh, uh, <laughs> throwing you out there. But uh, yeah, she, uh, her family, she goes uh, up there. Uh, I think every other year, she takes like a, a boat from uh, somewhere to to get where she she's from, and uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you're the second person I've known that's from Halifax. <laughs> that's from Halifax. They also lose an hour, right? Aren't they an hour east of us? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, you, yeah, we're on we're on Atlantic Standard Time, so we're an hour, and then Newfoundland is another half an hour. I think it's the only half hour time zone on the planet. <laughs> I didn't even know there was one. Is, is that where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Halifax. So when I was a kid on uh, TV every night, we only had two channels, CBC and ATV. And whenever they announced a show, they'd say, you know, the hockey game will start at eight o'clock, eight thirty in Newfoundland. So we used to, the running joke was the world will end at nine <laughs> nine thirty in Newfoundland because <laughs> you heard that ten times an hour on TV every night as a kid. Oh my god, that's so funny. Where? Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Where Peter, do you know where that airport is? Like the nine eleven airport where all the planes got to divert it to? Was that Yeah, that's it that's in Halifax. It's in my hometown. We had uh we had close to sixty aircraft on the tarmac that day. I'll never forget it. We were actually uh we were Blair Singer was here with us. And actually uh I don't know if you know Blair, but he'll tell you that we convinced him he was flying home on one of those flights um from um Boston to uh, Chicago that morning and we convinced him the night before to stay and go home on a later flight. No. And uh, that just turned out to be a, a surreal moment for, for all of us. I'll, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Wow. Wow. Mm. I mean, so the, talk to Blair Singer. <laughs> yeah. He ended up, he ended up renting a car and driving back to Reno from, uh, from Boston. Whoa. That's a drive, isn't it? Holy cow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Woo! That's yeah. a cool story, though. <laughs> um, so, Peter, so how did um, how did you find the hair industry? Yeah, so it's it's really an interesting story. So, I was a biochemistry major in, in university and uh, thinking about going to medical school, but I was also a billiard player. I played a lot of competitive uh, billiards and snooker. And the gentleman who owned the billiard club here also owned the local Redkin distributorship. So. I made a decision um, not to go to medical school and instead went back and did a graduate degree in finance. And I started a consulting company when I was 22 years old in university. And I was in the billiard hall one day playing the uh, snooker and the Red King guy came in and said, what, what the hell are you doing? And I said, uh, well, I have a consulting company, you know, I'm in business school. And he said, you should come and see me. So I went to see him and I ended up um, doing a project for him over a six week period of time. And uh, the following year when I was graduating, I had actually accepted a job in the banking industry. And he introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Wayne Drew, who is the founder of the company that we own today. Um, he was a barber and he uh, you know, was doing well, but struggling with the business side of the business. And so he made me an offer 
And so, you know, I was like, what do I do? So I went, actually went to my policy professor and said, I have a chance to go to work for a barber in the beauty industry, or I have a chance to go to work for the, a national bank. What should I do? <laughs> and I thought he'd tell me to go to work for the bank. And he said, go to work for the barber, because you can always work in the corporate world. You'll never get a chance to work side by side with an entrepreneur. So I took a pay cut, made the decision, uh, went to work with Wayne, who to this day is one of my uh, uh, best friends, probably the, you know, I've had some great mentors in my life, but he would be the greatest one. And I worked side by side with him for seven years, started opening salons on my own at the same time, and then um, eventually bought the business from him in 1995. And the rest is, as they say, uh, history. You, you know what? That's wow. a great lesson. You know, um, a, a lot of Tony and I, we have um, we have daughters that are in their 20s. And, you know, the, the lesson that uh, that I like to share with them and you you lived it. So, yeah, I can give this. I can let them listen to this. But, you know, when you're 22, there's two ways to get paid, right? It's either to get paid with with money or it's to get paid with experience. And my argument has always been that experience is what pays off in the long run. Right. You know, it's funny because I just had this conversation with my daughter yesterday because, uh, you know, uh, she's blessed that she's going to have the opportunity to choose between four different jobs. Uh, and she's uh, and she's looking at it kind of narrow minded in the sense of not necessarily narrow minded, but you know what I mean? She's looking at it monetarily wise. And I'm, right. and I'm telling her, I said, you're still at the age that you don't necessarily have to focus on that. What's where do you want to be in the future? And what's going to help you best to get there? You know what I mean? It might be a slower route, but at least you'll, you'll obtain your goals. And uh, so we're go, kind of going back and forth, but that's a, I'm going to have to have her listen to this <laughs> podcast. To Peter, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's really good. Well, I'll tell you, it was, uh, you know, we work in an industry that's really based on relationships and it's interesting. You know, when I went through the interview process with the bank, you know, I showed up in a jacket and a tie and it was very formal and it was all about, you know, my grades in school and my experience, you know, and, and what I wanted to do with my life. And then when I went and had my interview with Wayne, he had just come out of the woods hunting <laughs> and he interviewed me in rubber boots and, um, you know, camos and I fell in love with the guy. I mean, I honestly can tell you, I made that decision not to go to work for a company, but to go to work for that gentleman because he just impressed me with his humility and um, the struggle that he was having. And I just felt like, you know, I had a skill set that I could help him. But at the same time, he had a wealth of street smarts and knowledge and experience that he could help me. And, you know, we just became instant friends, um, lifelong friends. And it was it, it was an incredible uh, ride. I mean, I, I love every. I can tell you honestly, I've never worked a day in this business. It's it's been a labor of uh, love, and I think you know I feel very blessed and fortunate to have found something um, that I can say that about because I think a lot of people um, don't really have that opportunity. They don't wake up every day and and, and get to do what they love to do. You know? That's amazing. You said he was uh, one of your big or the main inspiration. Did uh, did did he help you decide to be an educator or a uh, inspiration to others as well? I mean, you could yeah. focus on the um, on the salon aspect, right? But right. you chose to go out and give everything to everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. He was um, 
he was a very unique individual. He had a grade nine education. He was a funny guy. He said, Peter, you, you, you know, he goes, I have 27 years worth of education, grade nine, three times. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'll never forget it. I mean, I grew up in a lower middle class neighborhood and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ate in a restaurant until I was 20 years old. And so he really taught me about life. Like I remember the first time he took me to a restaurant, I ordered a steak and he said, okay, here's, I ordered it well done because when I was a kid, you know, my mother would buy these steaks. They were a millimeter thick and threw them on the frying pan. And when the edges curled up, they were cooked. So (laughs) yeah, so that's all I knew. And I said, you know, okay, I ordered it well done. He said, okay, here's the deal. If you order it well done, you pay for it. If you order it medium well, I pay for it. So I ordered it medium well. The next time we went to the restaurant, I had to order it medium. The next time I went, I had to order it medium rare. So he taught me, he really, I, you know, I give him a ton of credit. I think he, he really shaped my uh, character a lot. And I was a very shy person, believe it or not, back then. He uh, put me through a Dale Carnegie course. Um, you know, he said, look, you, you have a message. You have a, you, you, there's something in you that you need to get out. And he said, you know, I'm going to help you to do that. And so he pushed me. He forced me to open a salon six months after I went to work for him. And then just as we were about to open it, he said, how are you going to pay for it? Because all the contractors had built it under the assumption that it was his business and it wasn't, it was mine. And um, (laughs) he just constantly, literally constantly took me to the edge of the cliff and then basically pushed me off and forced me to do things that were so out of my comfort zone. But I can honestly tell you that it's those life experiences that I had with him um, that changed the way I am today, you know, and I don't know uh, if we can swear in the podcast, but his favorite saying to me was, he said, Peter, I asked him one day, I said, what's your philosophy of life, Wayne? He said, I can sum it up in three words. I said, what's that? He said, fuck, fight, or hold the light. Oh. I said, what? Oh. He, he said, fuck, fight, or hold the light. And he said, here's the one thing I don't ever want you to catch you doing. That's holding the light. So his philosophy was, look, life is meant to be lived. You, need, you have to take risks. You've got to believe in yourself. You got to go out there and you got to make it happen. You don't want to be the guy standing on the sidelines watching the parade go by. You want to be the guy in the middle of the parade, right? And he was constantly pushing me, um, you know, to do things I really wasn't comfortable doing. But as I look back at that, it's it's really those years that I spent with him, I think, um, have a lot to do with uh, who I am today and, and the opportunities that, um, you know, have been created for me. So I have a lot of gratitude for him. That's amazing. How have you, um, you know, we talked a lot about, we talked to Michael and, you know, one of the things that we covered with Michael was just that how his mentor, um, I don't want to say force, but, you know, encouraged that he, that he pay it forward. How, how have you paid like, um, like Wayne's uh, messaging forward? Well, I, I think, you know, we try to do it in many, many ways. We're very connected to our community here. So, you know, I, I do believe it or not, um, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring on the side on a volunteer basis. When I meet people in our industry that I just, I like them and they're in a tough situation. I, I try to help them out and I don't do it for compensation. I just do it because I think it's the right thing to do. We're very generous in terms of, um, you know, supporting charities in our local community, um, uh, volunteering our time. Uh, you know, there's just many, many different ways um, that I try to pay it forward. And, and most of all, to, just to always be a champion of him. I mean, Wayne has been out of our business for 25 years and 
you know, we just try to pay very close attention to how he's doing and what he's doing and continue to support him. Um, you know, and I will support him for the rest of his life. Oh, that's beautiful. And Corey mentioned Michael Cole. So when did uh, you connect with Michael Cole and Summit? How did that all come about? Yeah, well, the first time, I mean, the first time I ever saw Michael Cole was at a show here in Halifax back in, I, I think it was 86, 87. And he was really speaking my language because his focus was all about growing the business. And so I learned a lot from Michael. And then we became uh, colleagues in the sense that, you know, as I started working in the, in the U S doing some consulting work, doing some public speaking, we were constantly bumping into each other because we both worked under contract to uh, Redkin at the time. Our common connection was uh, Pat Parente, who was the president of Redkin at the time. And then Pat basically introduced me to Randy when the summit first started. So probably they were two or three years into it and said, you know what, you guys should really get together and join forces and, you know, take the collective intellectual capital of all of these uh, groups and put it together. And so that's really how it started for me. So Glenn Baker, um, my business partner and I, we made an investment in, um, in SSBC back in 2000. And that's really where it all began. What year was that, Peter? 2007. Yeah. And then in 2009, we dissolved the school part of the company. And uh, that's when I stepped into the role of president in 2009. And uh, we merged what at that time was KRS Consulting together with um, SSBC and formed this new company. And that's really been the journey uh, from that point to this. And what a journey, right? I mean, just think about how many lives have been affected. How many, how many, uh, how many summit salons are there now? Well, we've put over 3,000 salons through this program. We currently have an active salon base that we uh, coach of roughly 1,100 to 1,200 salons that we're active in on a, on a somewhat regular basis, right? Either monthly or quarterly. I mean, just 3,000 times however many operators there are. It's just, it's, just, it's just phenomenal to think about you know, how many lives. Well, you've been through it, so you, yeah, yeah. you've seen it for, firsthand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 I think I said this on another podcast. Hope it's not monotonous, but, um, but the, uh, we, I talked to another hairdresser and we just kept saying, like, we wish we had this, like, coming right out of school, right. you know, and like just how, how the trajectory of our futures would have been completely different than where we stood in that moment. You know, but the good thing about Summit is even if you're far, even if you're far along in your career, it can still kind of give you that path to then, um, you know, have different, uh, have different successes as well. But speaking of that, so, uh, I'm blown away that um that you guys have a school like I I don't know how many schools you have but I know that you have one in Tampa right correct yeah yes. I mean can can you imagine like having like Summit as as, as your foundation you know oh just, yeah really crazy. right I'm kind of mad at those people because they don't know what the struggle is <laughs> right right because they're, they're going to be on the right track from day one that's why you is, tell your children yeah I walk <laughs> in the snow uphill barefooted. Yeah, in Canada that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so talking about the school, I mean, not only the schools, you have over twenty-two full-service salons and spas. How do you build such a like a a trust among your staff and a strong culture in such a you know large and I guess you know obviously you teach it in, in other salons and small you know. Uh, businesses like that. I mean, that's to build trust and culture in something so large has to be uh, a challenge, right? Yeah, a challenge. 
Yeah, we have, um, you know, for me, culture is everything. And I think that's always been the definitive uh, selling point of our organization here locally. We um, I have a bracelet on my wrist. I'm looking at it right now. It has three words on it, passion, purpose, and prosperity. It actually hangs on the sign outside of our resource center here in um, in Halifax. And so the philosophy is is very simple. is Passion is about loving what you do. Being on purpose is about having a plan and a goal. And if you combine those two things together, you're going to be prosperous. So we actually have a statement of purpose, which is really why do we exist? And our, our statement of purpose is just to help our people grow. And our statement of passion is to help people better their best. So we take those two philosophies and we just bring them into everything that we do. So we're not in the business of cutting and coloring here. We're in the business of growing people. And we have a very strong value system based on the word pride, which stands for passion, respect, integrity, dedication, and enthusiasm. And we actually measure that um, every six months within our salons and within our leadership team. So we have built a purpose. Our culture is, is on purpose, I guess is the best way I could describe it. it. It doesn't happen by accident. We work really hard to hold ourselves accountable to those values and to hold each other accountable to them. And I think that's why. Um, you know, last year alone, we, we had 20 people in our company celebrate their 20th, 25th, 30th, 35th, or 40th anniversary behind the chair. And the gal who was 40 years behind the chair is still the, in the top five most productive people in our company. Wow. And uh, I, I put it all back to, to culture. I really do. I think in this day and age of technology, the number one thing that differentiates Great organizations from good organizations are the ones that start with the why. They're selling from the inside out. And so for us, that's really, it's not so much about what we do or how we do it. It's about why we do it. And we really try to, to be focused on that on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so impressive. But it, it's right because anytime you, you see culture, a strong culture, uh, you have such great success because everybody's bought in. Everybody believes in what you're doing and they, everybody wants the same goal, right? Sure. I mean, that, certainly, I mean, that, that's the ideal of it, right? But uh, actually, maybe I'll put some pressure on Peter. So, so, Peter, let's say like somebody, like how long is your leash when someone um, might not be buying into the culture or, 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 or believes in what you guys are doing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not real long if we detect a lack of willingness and so what i mean by that is you know like if if i was so i use tony as an example if i was sitting down with tony and he wants to be part of our company i i wouldn't say i i could start off by saying you know tony we cut and color here and we have beautiful salons you know would you like a job but what we started saying is you know tony here's the most important thing you need to know about us everything we do is designed to help you become the best version of you you know, we have beautiful salons, free education. We just happen to cut and color hair. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, then you're going to love us. If, it, if it's not something you're interested in, you're not going to love us. And so very quickly, what we're trying to ascertain is what's the willingness level of, the, of that person to want to grow I as accept, a person. I accept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and if, if, if they're highly willing, then we're going to be a great partner. If, if the person's not highly willing, then it's probably not going to, the relationship's going to last long, you know, and we don't tell people, we, we don't give up on people, but we give up on their lack of willingness because 
we spend way too much time sometimes trying to work on people who simply don't want to change. And then we're ignoring the good people who are the backbone of our, 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 our company and our culture. Right? 100%. You know, so we have a mentorship program. I mean, we, we grab these kids by the hand when they come out of our school and we really, you know, I, I think we have a very nurturing environment, but at the same time, we're always applying a subtle amount of pressure to force them out of their comfort zone because we know that if we don't, they're not going to achieve the success that they, they're truly looking for, right? Well, what a, I mean, what an incredible uh, uh, mentor, you know, slash owner, just to put that at, that is your culture, right? Right. Like, like that's what, the, that's, that's what they're creating there. And that, that's amazing. And, and I guess the quickest way to not have that culture is not to, is to not as a mentor or owner, not to be um, dedicated or, or, whatever to that, right? Like one bad person in the back room can, can, can kill the culture of a salon. Yeah. Or you like know. we say, it's a fight trainer, you know, and so you, you're, you know, you're a fight trainer trying to train a fighter and the fighter's not willing to put forth the work in to become a, a fighter. You're not going to sit there and continue to waste your time and try to train someone who's not willing to be trained. Right. That's true. Right. I remember, you know, when I was, uh, when my kids were young, I have three boys and a girl and, Two of my sons played on a hockey team together. And I remember we were in the final game of the playoffs. And a lot of the kids, some of them were on vacation. Our goaltender was sick. And I, I remember the opposing team. So these kids were eight or nine years old. The opposing team comes out of the dressing room. They're banging their sticks against the boards. And I'm looking at the, the look on the faces of my kids in the dressing room. I was the coach. And I could just see they were deflated because these kids were making such a racket. And I remember. <laughs> giving them the, um, you know, the, the noble speech. I kicked the parents of the dressing room and I said, guys, you're nine years old. I said, someday you're going to be old like me and it's going to come sooner than you think. I said, this moment only comes once. We don't have to be the most talented team. We just have to get more. And I said, you need to demonstrate to those kids outside the dressing room right now that you want it more. You need to make more noise than them. So they started banging their sticks against the wall and they literally drowned out these kids. And all of a sudden, the kids outside stopped. And we went out that day. My son was a goaltender, had never had the goalie pads on in his life because <laughs> our goalie was sick. And they ended up winning the uh, championship game. And I can tell you, it wasn't talent. It was understanding the why, the purpose, the reason that they were there, right? And so, you know, sometimes we, I think we forget that because we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day grind of just earning a living and surviving that we we forget why we're doing it sometimes. And so, you know, we're always really trying to bring that to the forefront because that's what creates that great environment. That's what creates great customer service. Um, and it's a relationship business, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that's when the magic happens, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That is the magic that, that, you know, that might be knowing that why or, or, or fighting for that why might be the magic, right? might be the, that ticket, you yeah. know? And you once said that giving others courage to do what they already know. Can you elaborate elaborate on that a little bit? What did you mean by that? Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, if I look back at my own, my own life, I know there were many, many, many moments in my life as a young person where I knew what I needed to do, but some days I lacked the courage to actually do it. You know, especially the difficult you know, the courageous conversations you have to have with people, the times when you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, let's face it, it it's a social business. Not every kid that comes out of beauty school is, is as social as they need to be. Sometimes just 
you know, asking a customer, uh, educating them, recommending a retail product to them, asking to book their next appointment before they leave. All of those, all of those things that determine their success are not always within their comfort zone when they start in this business. And so we're really trying to empower them to have the courage and the belief in themselves to take risks, you know, and, and to put themselves out there. Do you have like techniques or something? I mean, it's, it's really easy to, to, to answer like that, but, but when it comes down to it, you know, giving someone that courage is, is like the most difficult thing in the world. I mean, what, what techniques are you teaching or what, I mean, how are you doing it? Yeah. So the, well, so we have a lot of different techniques. One thing I, I do a lot of when I work with people is I really try to get them to separate who they are from what they're doing. And I say to them, look, you are awesome. Just the fact that you exist is awesome. The problem is you have some habits that are preventing you from becoming the best version of you. So we're not going to work on you. We're just going to work on your habits. And I, and I help them to separate the two so that they can get their ego out of the way and that we're not attacking their self-esteem. So we're not criticizing you. We love you. We're just saying that, look, here's a habit that you, if you look at a cause and effect relationship, the cause you're putting in motion is not having the effect that you want. So there's an inconsistency here. So we got we to gotta change the habit. And then what we do is we literally get in sandbox and we play with them. So we literally teach them scripts. We say, okay, instead of saying, would you like to book your next appointment or call me later? How could you rephrase that in a way that where there's something in it for the customer? Mm-hmm. And so we, we help them find a different voice that has a different effect. I love that. Yeah, we were talking to somebody yesterday that I think – uh, can totally use just that one segment to totally transform what she's because she, it's it's it is the the confidence it's you know she's not used to the social media aspect of it you know what I mean but her message is fantastic that that part right there is for for her I, for for a lot of people but you know <laughs> for her in, in my mind right now because of the conversation we had yesterday but that's yeah, pretty crazy that's amazing yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, Michael is doing a ton of this right now on social media. Is really trying to, everybody's on social media, but are they on there effectively? You know, like I say, being famous on Instagram is like being rich in Monopoly, um, <laughs> right? If, you know, if 90% of the people who are following you live halfway across the country or they're fellow hairdressers, they're not coming in to get a haircut. So you're not, you're not going to grow your business that way. And I think what Michael's doing a great job of is teaching people techniques that actually put butts in chairs and, you know, help them to grow their business. And that's, so we really got to get sort of through all of the the menagerie, if you will, and get down to what are these poor behaviors that really drive results. And that's really what we're trying to teach people. And we're trying to do that not only for the service providers, but the salon owners as, as well, you know, that's, that's great. Um, I mean, he just brought it up again. I mean, like it's since we've worked behind the chair for so long, it's like it's easy to like absorb kind of this as a service provider. But but where the real change or the real difference that they're making is with the is with the salon owners. Right. Because they uh, they have access to to so many um, providers, you know, currently and their providers in the future. So I just I am such a big fan of of the summit movement. But I guess enough kissing like summit butt, right? <laughs> I'm sure Peter doesn't mind though. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'll give you a quick interesting example. And this really speaks to everything we're talking about. So we were doing a multi-unit seminar in New York two weeks ago for multi-unit salon owners. And so there were 
20 or 25 of L'Oreal's top customers there. Anyway, there was a salon there and the gentleman who owns it was sharing with me how excited he was because he's going to open a new salon and the landlord's going to build it out for him. And it's like an amazing deal because he doesn't have to put any money in. I said, you know what? Send me a copy of the lease because I'd like to take a look at it for you. You know, it won't cost you anything. Anyway, long and short of it is um, that would have been the biggest mistake of, of his life. And so just yesterday I got on the phone with the landlord and him. And I was able to literally over 10 years shave a million dollars off of the rent um, that he's going to pay in that place and get his personal guarantee removed. Because if, if that business failed under the lease he was about to sign, his everything that he has worked 20 years to build in this industry was at risk in a personal guarantee. And it's just, it's amazing to me um, that salon owners don't because they're emotionally attached to it right. and the excitement of it, they don't look at the details and they just get themselves into situations. And so what happens then is if he signs that lease and things aren't going well, he's got to figure out a way to survive. So what does that do? That puts pressure on what he's willing to pay his operators. It puts pressure through the entire environment. And then the people who work there go, Oh, you know, my owner's a, a dick. But it's not really the owner, it's the situation that they put themselves in. And so, you know, we're really working hard through SSBC and our financial services division to help salon owners not get themselves in these situations, um, you know, just to make better business decisions, if you will, right? That's great. I mean, that's, that's, that is what Summit stands for, right? Because, you know, some of us are hairdressers and, you know, we went to hair school and well, most of us barely made it out of high school, right? We, we barely kind of make it through hair school. And then, you know, a couple of years later, the dream is to, uh, to, for salon ownership, but there's just so many mistakes, especially when you're playing at somebody else's game, right? Like you talk to a landlord or you talk to someone and, and, and they know what those numbers mean. And you just kind of go in kind of blind thinking that the landlord has your best interest at hand. So, Peter, once again, I, I just commend you. I mean, that's, that's, if that alone, if that was their only service, that makes our industry stronger. Yeah, it's worth its weight in gold, right? I mean, that'd be amazing. Well, you know, it's a good marriage, you guys, because here's the truth. Like, you would not want me to cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what I love about the, what, what keeps me humble in our industry is that, you know, the people on the front line of our industry and, and our organization here at home, I mean, they're out there busting their butt every day. And without them, uh, we couldn't do any of this. And vice versa, you know, we try to do the things that, that they don't love to do. And they do the things that we're not good at. And, and together, when we put it together, it's, it's, a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful piece of music, you know? Right. You mentioned that you guys are currently active with 11, 1,200 salons uh, every six months. So, so kind of what's trending or what's growing in our industry? And, and how do you evolve to stay current? Well, so when you say what's evolving, you mean in the broad industry itself? Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening is the, so traditional channels like commission-based salons, which is a tra tra traditional channel is actually in decline right now. Um, independent contractors in salons is actually in decline because basically the state of California just ruled it illegal. What's trending up is non-traditional retail. So we're talking about places like Amazon, Walmart. Um, and the sweet business is definitely on an uptick right now. And so that is creating a whole lot of interesting dynamics in our, our industry. Um, and, I, you know, where it's all going to settle out, I think, is anybody's 
anybody's guess. Um, there will always be a need for bricks and mortar salons for the simple reason that they're training hairdressers. You know, the salon suites are not training hairdressers. And so that model at some point is going to, is going to peak in my opinion and level off, but it hasn't happened yet. You you mean the suite business is going to, um, is going to level off. Yes, exactly. Right. So what, what, what's summit doing to kind of, uh, I don't even know what the next word is. How, how is Summit dealing with like the sweet business or, or, you know, cause it's kind of against the model, not against it in a bad way, but just, it, it's not the model that you guys have been coaching for all these years. So is there changes that Summit's making or, or how is the coaching changing? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's imperative for us to evolve with the industry. And so, you know, we love all hairdressers. Uh, we want them to be successful. And so, you know, in the suite model, we are, you know, looking with our partners at tools and opportunities that we can provide to help these people if they're going to make that decision, A, to make sure that they know what decision they're making and that they're making an informed decision. Because we see a lot of people getting into the suite business who simply can't afford to be there. And then they get themselves into trouble and they wake up a year later and they owe the IRS a bunch of money and then it's a problem. And so we're trying to help people make smarter decisions. But if they are um, able to thrive in that environment, then we want to give them the tools to help them to do that as well. And then on the commission-based side, it's the same thing. You know, we're just constantly evolving um, our methodology to make sure that we're best in class and as progressive as possible in terms of what's happening in the industry. So our retail concepts are evolving. The commission structures, the level systems are constantly evolving. Um, the mentorship programs, you know, like we, uh, we have a guy, a gentleman in Atlanta, Daniel Mason Jones, who uh, was at our retreat. You know, he, he operates on the summit platform last year alone. He personally did $680,000 behind the chair. That's awesome. And should we wow. give, should we give him a shout out? Yeah. So yeah, yeah we should give him a shout out because uh, he's incredible. And the funniest part of his whole presentation was he said, you know, I have four associates right now and I'm going to eight. Because the four I have are worn out by three o'clock, and I want to keep going, so I'm br- I'm, I'm bringing in a second shift. That's awesome. We're, <laughs> we're actually going to talk to him in uh, in September in Philly. He's uh, he's on our book to uh, he's on our podcast book, so we're super excited about uh, about DMJ. Oh, you're gonna love him. He's a great guy, and he's got a great message. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk. So, um. You kind of mentioned a, a little bit about the suites and stuff. Where where do you kind of see our industry in, I don't know, five to 10 years? I think, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I know that, you know, millennials are entrepreneurs and there's definitely a movement out there, but the generation coming behind them, uh, Generation Z, you know, a lot of these kids were in high school in 2008 and 2009 when they saw their parents lose half their net worth. And, when their parents made a decision that they were going to have to work another five to 10 years. So this next generation is more like baby boomers than they are like millennials. I mean, they're, they're looking for opportunity, but they're also looking for security and they're looking to be part of something. So my prediction is that like everything in life, we're going to go through a cycle. So right now I believe there are somewhere in the range of probably two to 3000 sweet salons in the U S I think when that number gets to four or 5,000, it's going to level off. And I think you're going to see that model slow down. And I think you're going to see the traditional um, bricks and mortar salon start to make a resurgence. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the salon suite business is here to stay. There's no question. Um, I think what you're, I, I think you're going to see a much stronger division between the two models. You're going to have that entrepreneurial model of salon suites, and then you're going to have the culture, traditional um, salon commission model. But I think the operators are going to be much stronger. I mean, competition makes everybody better. Absolutely. And uh, you're going to see a lot of disruption, I think, in the industry. Um, you know, Amazon is a huge disruptor, not just in our industry, but in every industry. But I really feel like um, it's going to come back. I, I mean, I, I think young people today even are starting to go, you know what? All of this technology is great. I mean, the first wave was kind of like, look at all the wonderful things I can do. And the second wave was kind of like, wow, my whole life is, I'm having a relationship with my phone more than I am with real humans. And I, I feel like there's, you know, the salon is always going to be a sacred place because it's face-to-face, it's one-on-one, there's human touch. I think if you're providing a great experience for your clients, um, I think that's always going to be around. I really do. That's great. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I do think that there's always going to be a place. I mean, I guess, and I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball either, but, but it, it's, it's, our industry has been based on, um, you know, certainly over the last, you know, 30 years has been, has been the profits come off of the shelves, right? So for, uh, for an industry, for a salon to make money, you have to sell retail. And, and I'm, I guess I'm a little concerned about where are we in five years if, if in fact, you know, Amazon buys out Cosmoprof or if in fact, like, like, like if that retail element isn't there anymore, where's the money coming from? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see a lot. I think you're going to see, well, you're already seeing it. A lot of indie brands are going to pop up. So there will be brands that will be created that will make a, you know, a commitment not to be in those multi-unit channels. And then, you know, entrepreneurial salon owners are going to gravitate, um, to some of those brands, right? Right. Yeah. It's like it's like the Phoenix, you know. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, I mean that that those type of suites that, you know what I mean? You totally uh, you don't get the salon education, you, you know, and that's where some somebody like Summit comes in, and because you got to be self motivated, you gotta, you know, you're just not going to take your clientele over there and just to slowly fade away. So you got to stay self motivated, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. you know, so when you know a company like summit comes in and they can keep you uh totally you know relevant as far as you know your your technique and uh your mind frame on how to to run a successful business it almost seems like there's a there's a there's place for a model like an in-between model like there almost seems like there's there's a place for that you know so i don't know we'll see we'll see in five or ten years where it all kind of shakes out but um but it, it, it'll be a fun ride. I kind of wish I was a lot younger, Peter, so I could kind of see from the other side of my career. <laughs> Looking back on it. That's pretty cool. Hey, Peter, so, um, and, and this is a no BS zone, okay? Deal? Final question. Yeah. Final question. Deal. You can't say, All right. you can't say like world peace or, or, or whatever, but uh, what's Peter Mahoney absolutely obsessed with? And it can be personal, it can be business, it can be whatever. Gosh, I have a lot of obsessions. Um, what am I absolutely obsessed with? Happiness. I dig it. Yeah. I, uh, I just feel like, you know, it's your life. Uh, happiness is a state of mind and I'm obsessed with probably because I can't say I was, I always was that way. So now that I, I found it, I don't want to lose it. So I'm obsessed with doing the things I need to do in my life. Um, to wake up every day and be happy 
happy because I know if you ask my kids, my wife, the people that I work with, when I'm happy, I'm much more funny. (laughs) 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 He's obsessed for other people. (laughs) (laughs) Remove the me being a dick. (laughs) So for, yeah. So for my own sanity and the sanity of those around me, I'm obsessed with happiness, but uh, yeah. Poker would be right up there on the list too. Uh Oh, I, lo- I love we play poker. to play poker. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You play, uh, you play Hold'em? Yeah. Oh, this is- Hold'em and uh, Potlum in Omaha. Oh, snap. You come oh. ne- next time we're in Halifax, we'll, uh, we'll get a game going. <laughs> get a little game going. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I want to play a Peter Man. <laughs> right. Obviously, you know, with Paul, he's a natural shark, I'm sure. Right? I'm sure. <laughs> Completely. You in. All right. Well, Mr. Peter Mahoney. From Summit Salon Businesses Center. Center. Dang. <laughs> Never get it right, man. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us on your day off. My pleasure. Thank you, uh, Corey and Tony. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs>